0: and welcome to this special episode of NZSA Live. The following content was recorded at our National Writers Forum in September 2018. We're releasing it during our 18 days of forum content to help New Zealand writers and authors through the national COVID-19 lockdown. Today's podcast features audio from the workshop How to Self-Publish by Lani Went young Lani is a writer, publisher, editor and journalist Author of nine books, she was the 2018 Pacific Laureate and is co-founder of Samoa Planet.
1: on how to self-publish a book, and we've only got an hour, so obviously we can't cover everything under the sun, but I'm hoping that it'll be at least enough to answer some questions, give you a better idea of what's involved, and also uh, give you, like, I guess, that launch pad to go and figure out where you can find the other information that we don't cover here today. So hopefully that, that, that's the purpose of, of what we try to cover today. Um, so my name is Lani. And I wanted to start with a show of hands. Is there anybody here who's already self-published a book? See, this is great. This is great. So please, as we go along, uh, if you think of things that I haven't or you know, you, you've got a better idea, please um, bring it in because. Um, As you already know, it's a fast-changing industry. Uh, When I first started eight years ago, it certainly doesn't look like that now, and so we're always learning, so please do share. Uh, Is there anyone here, show hands please? Anyone here who is traditionally published? Oh, nice. Okay. Um, So, same thing applies, please. We do cover a little bit about traditional publishing, so please um, let us know uh, if there's some things that you think that we don't quite have the right idea on. And my last question, is: show of hands, who has not published yet, but they've finished the book, and they're trying to figure out and decide what they're going to do with it? Okay. Awesome. <laughs> well, you've come to the right place. Um, all right. So let's get started. Um, so a little bit of background. Um, I started with writing short stories. I was an English teacher, so wrote lots of short stories for different things. And then my, I also did short stories for the New Zealand School Journal. So that was a pretty cool experience. But when it came to writing books, my first book was written on commission. And I think that that's, uh quite a rare opportunity for, for a writer when you're commissioned to write a book. It means you are paid and you know that when you're finished the book is going to have a publisher. You don't have to go and search. So that was my first book. Um, then I went into indie publishing and I self-published my YA fantasy series. And that's the Telesar series up there. Um, then I have also self-published Afakasi Woman only as an e-book, which is a collection of short fiction, (coughs) and also Scarlet Lies, which is my contemporary (coughs) romance. So, started off as a commissioned author, moved to being an indie publisher, and then just signed um, a hybrid publishing contract, which is when a writer signs with a traditional publisher for only certain rights, whereas with usual contracts, when we sign with a publisher, they get all the rights to everything. But a hybrid contract is, I have retained all of my rights, the only ones that I have handed over to the publisher is print, okay, and only for certain markets. And so um, I think that that's increasingly becoming something that's an option for writers who have tried self-publishing, and um, so I'm grateful to be able to, to do that because it means you get the best, of both worlds, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Check back with me in a year and I'll tell you how it goes. Okay. So when I speak about self-publishing today, those are the perspectives I'm coming from. Okay? Commissioned, indie publishing, and now this. So the big question: why self-publish? All right. And um, when we think of, when we hear the word self-publishing, let's get the negatives out of the way. What are some of the negatives? What are some of the uh's that we get right away? Vanity publishing. Okay. Managing. Only people who, you know, only losers, okay. <laughs> self-publish, and it's because they couldn't find a publisher for their rubbish book. Okay. So there is some of that. Anything else? Bad writing, bad design. Bad writing, bad design. a of particular quality. OK, there's a perception that the quality is not going to be as good. Okay. Um, Any other thoughts? How do
0: you get it into the market?
1: All right. There's that, okay, you know, how do you get it into the market? Because, of course, there's being a writer, and then there's jumping over here and being the publisher and trying to take the book to an audience. So it's like, ah, I I know how to write a book, but what about that? Okay. Any other thoughts? That, That visual? Someone who self-published and had them all printed in their garage and the four way Yes. yes. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I remember with when when I was getting lots of rejections and I was oh, upset. My husband, who, I mean, he doesn't read um, you know, fiction. He's he's just a construction guy and he reads running books. And you know, I was really, oh no, what would do? He's like, honey, well, I'll just print, we'll print some books and we can take them on my truck, you know, to the market and sell them. Like I was like, oh my <laughs> There's no way we can do that. Yeah, so there is, you know, that, that perception. So there is a lot of stigma around self publishing. And then, of course, now in 2018, um, there are some great success stories um, to do with people who have self published and gone on to do brilliant, wonderful things. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not one of them yet. Sadly, my children are very sad waiting for it to happen to me. <laughs> but yes, so we do have some great success stories. Okay, So in terms of why self-publish, um, the author earnings noted in its February 2017 industry report that for the last three years in a rising ebook market, traditional publishers have been rapidly losing market share to self-published authors faster than the overall market has been growing. And I think what is important today at this point is to think that never before have we writers had more avenues, okay, more options for reaching readers. Okay? I mean, and, and that's really what it comes down to, that it's another option to think about. Um, a quick look at some comparisons. And here is where the traditional published in the room, please correct us or give us a bit more insight. Uh, as we know, and usually when you sign with a traditional or with a publisher, um, you, you get offered an advance. And what I'm hearing is that big advances are a thing of the glorious days of the past, that more and more advances are coming down. But yes, so with traditional publishers, you have a whole team to help develop the product. They do the marketing, the selling, the distributing. Um, And they come with marketing power. Then there's the cons. And I think for me, um, a con that was really important, besides the fact that um, you get less money, um, is also the fact that they just take so much longer to put books out. And I mean, I have friends, um, one friend in particular, she writes six books a year. There is no way that a publishing company can handle her six books, you know. And so when you're working with a publishing company, they of course have many authors on their list and they have a schedule and they need to time you and place you out. And so um, these are things to consider. They have their own schedules and it can take so much longer to bring a book out than if you're doing it yourself. And I'm impatient. When I finish something, I'm like okay, ready, let's get it out. Um, and so I for me, that's a big con, right? Self-publishing pros and cons. Okay, a really big pro is that you get paid once a month, whereas traditional publishing, you get paid twice a year. Okay, You can track your sales daily, which for me is also, I mean, I'm a control freak, so I like that I can go in any time of the day and see, oh, somebody in Japan. Bought one book, you know, and okay. Um, you cannot do that with traditional publishing. They do not give you a daily um, update on what what's happening. Um, you control price and cover. Publication is almost instant. It is easy to implement changes. Okay. So when my first book went out as an ebook, the next day I had some lovely readers message to tell me that. Oh, Lonnie, his tattoo's on his right arm on page 14, but on page 56 it's on his left arm. Um, so right away, I was able to go into the file, fix it, <coughs> re-upload the ebook, and send them a very grateful um, email of appreciation. So those are the things that you can do when you have total power and control. Uh, the royalty rates are better, and anybody can do it. The cons are is that anybody can do it <laughs> and there are a few million people who are doing it and um, you know I think I guess that's the thing when you open the gates so when you smash the gates, anybody can do it so you're going to have lots and lots of people doing it and not a very good job okay? and that's the reality of, of when you smash open the gates. <laughs> Um, with self-publishing cons I guess another one would be if you're hoping to you know enter your book and, and literary awards and that have that kind of recognition uh, it's a lot harder if your book is self-published because when you are a self-published author bold is your middle name <laughs> it has to be because it's always going to be you that. Sends out press releases about yourself. <laughs> um, it's going to be you who, you know, enters the competitions and, and <coughs> submits things for reviews and, and to magazines until you can hopefully make a bit of money and hire an assistant so that then they can do it for you. <laughs> but, yes, so bold. Uh, and that's, I think that's hard. I know I found that really hard, and I still find it a challenge. Um, self-promotion, you know, it, it's, it's, it makes you cringe. But, yeah, bold. Um, I do think it's harder to find success in certain genres. Um, I think that they've said that with self-publishing, you are... And I don't know if that's related to the stigma factor. Perhaps, you know, if, if you're a person who only reads literary fiction, are you, therefore, slightly more snobby, and so you don't want... You know, you look down on a self-published book. I don't know what it is, but um, there are some genres that do better... Um, in sales than others. That's not to say that your literary fiction shouldn't be self-published. Just saying that there's fewer. The ones that sell those are romance, yeah. Young adult and fantasy do really well. Erotica does really well. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so those ones are quite strong contenders in being self-published. So to the question of how do I know then if self-publishing is right for me? Now, I think this is the point where I want to emphasize that if you're looking for an easy path um, where you'll have to do the least amount of work, uh, then no, self-publishing is not for you, okay? And um, that's traditional because self-publishing is work. You are basically setting yourself up to be a business entrepreneur, okay? Your product is your books, and you are the owner of the product, the marketer, the producer, the packager, and the promoter. So it is, it's, it's work. So if you're not ready to take on that work, then don't, don't try to self-publish. Okay. Having said that, um, self-publishing can be as much work or as less work as you choose it to be, because you are the boss. So obviously, if you're business, you only want to spend One day, you sort want to put your book up and not think about it, only on Sundays for two hours, you can do that because you're the boss. Um, So there is that factor as well. But there's a few other things I thought would would mention. Um, Some things to keep in mind when you're thinking about if self-publishing is right for you. You're going to write more than one book. So for example, if you're going to be like Harper Lee and only ever write one great masterpiece in your life, then I would recommend that you submit that to a publisher. okay? Because uh, with self-publishing, it is much better if you're in this for the long haul and you are going to be producing regular product. okay? But if you're just going to put one book out in your whole life, then maybe it'd be better to give that to a publisher. Okay? And um, a single book can be invisible. It's like one tree in the forest. Okay. But if you have, you know, four books in a series, and you've got five books over here and five books over there, it's going to build traction, and you're going to be a bit easier to be noticed and to have readers find you. Okay. Um, obviously, you've tried querying and been rejected. Okay. 30 times, 50 times, depends how, how tough you are. Um, and having said that, I'm sure you already know, querying is, is an art in itself. Um, and when I look back, I realize, yeah, I would have rejected me too. <laughs> Those query letters were dreadful. But yeah, so you know, but there's a lot of stuff online. Go do your research um, and find that out. Or you've been offered a publishing deal and it's not as good. You don't think that it's as good enough as what you can get by going indie. Because keep in mind, especially if it's your first book, you are not, it's highly unlikely, I won't say you're not, it's you never know, it's highly unlikely that you will be able to negotiate with that publisher and say, I only want to give you print book rights for New Zealand. Okay? Because you're not in a position to negotiate and to be making, I'm only gonna get this, I only wanna sell this, I want to keep film rights. They'll be like, well that's nice, okay. goodbye. Okay? Because you know, you're not in a position yet to negotiate those things. right. Oh, there we go. Romance, fantasy, and sci-fi. Those are the big, big genres uh, for self-publishing. So those are some of the stronger ones. You've written a niche market book, which probably, you know, a traditional publisher would not be interested in. I have a friend who writes male pregnancy romance books. I did not know that was a thing, that was a genre, but apparently it's a sub genre, and it sells massively, and she makes lots of money from it. And I just had never heard of such a thing. Um, but there are some niche genres, which can only get out there through self-publishing. Um, and if you're writing in one of those, then you know this is the place for you. Uh, if you like being in control, um, and you don't want to wait a long time for your book to be published. Okay. All right, now we come to what do you need to self-publish. Okay. And the first thing that we need is a good book. Okay. Now, this is not a, a presentation on how to write a good book. Okay. You've all either done it already or you're in the process of doing it. Okay. How do we know it's a good book? We have, I'm not talking about your first rough draft. You know, you're not gonna stick that up on Amazon and expect the money to rain from the sky. Um, So you have gone through rewrites and revisions, okay? Several drafts, get critical feedback, and of course that can be in the form of a writer group, a good trusted writing mentor or a buddy. It doesn't have to cost money that stage, okay? This is about finding your, your team, all right? The third stage is editing. And this is where we start to look at money. Okay. Um, very generally, there's two different kinds of editing. Um, and I mean, people who are editors in the room already know more about this than me. But just generally, there's the developmental edit, which is intense. It's a lot of work, where they will basically look through and from the ground up, find out all the things, how that book needs to be fixed and improved and reworked. That can be expensive. Okay. You're looking at anything like three thousand dollars, I've heard. Um, so yeah, things to consider. There are then there's copy editing, okay, commonly called uh, line editing. This is a lighter form of editing. Uh, they'll go through, um, looking at some mechanical errors, any of those sorts of finding discrepancies. So they're not going to sit there and work with you on fixing your writing <laughs> style or reworking your whole plot. All right. So that kind of edit costs less money. Um, When I did my first book, I couldn't afford a developmental edit, so I didn't get one done. Instead, I had a couple of writer friends look through it for me, and we worked on that, workshop that together. I had a copy edit done. I have a friend who was working as an editor for medical journals. She'd never done fiction before, but she did my copy edit for $50. Um, and some cookies, <laughs> but yeah. So I think it really depends on you and where you're starting off from. Okay, to get the very bestest product, yes, it would be ideal if you invest that three thousand dollars. If you invest whatever is required for the copy edit, but having said that, most of us, when we're starting out, we don't have three thousand lying around just to do your book. Uh, number four is beta readers. Okay. And these would be people who obviously you're not going to ask your friend who only reads crime to beta read your romance novel. I mean, it's just, it's just basic. You find people who love the genre you're writing in um, and who are interested in your, in your book. It's an investment of a person's time, you know, to, to beta read your book. And so when you uh, find those people, uh, you nurture that relationship. You know, so I mean, I have two beta readers. Uh, one of them I've never met her in real life. I mean, they, they live overseas, but they have been reading each of my books bec- as I go, and you know, we st- we keep in touch. I make sure that when books come out, you know, I mean, they, we, we have we're friends. You know, and and you work on that relationship and you keep it. And the great thing is, especially if you're writing series, so by the time I've written a fifth book, I can send that to the beta reader and know that. They're familiar with all my other books. And then they can come out and be like, you know what? That doesn't fit with what you said in book one. Basically, the, the whole point of all of those things is to refine your product so that it's the very best that it can be. Okay. And keeping in mind, and this is, I think, a little bit difficult for us as writers when we're so, and that's why a you know, publisher is usually somebody different. Because as a writer, we're so invested and close to our book. It's our baby. <laughs> but what we're then asking our minds to do is to take a step back and look at our baby as a product. Okay? And sometimes that's a bit hard. And so it is about refining that product and making sure it is the very best that it can be. And that's why it's always good to get somebody else. I mean, I'm an editor, but <laughs> I shouldn't edit my own books. Okay? Uh, that, that, that wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. So once your book is the best as it can be, it needs a cover. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about a picture of your cat. Um, or, you know, my sister's really good at art. Um, unless your sister is absolutely brilliant, um, then no, it shouldn't be something that your sister scribbled. Okay. So this is where I, I advise you to invest in a professionally designed cover image. But there's a huge range of what's available, and so... <sighs> I've got three different ways of getting your cover. Uh, Keep in mind that a print book cover has different specs for an e-book, and so you've got to be able to make your image work for both. Um, The first kind of cover that we can get are pre-designs. So there are many, many... um, places online, just tap in pre-designed book covers, and what they do is, there's two examples I've put up there, they make these pre-formatted covers, and they stick them up, you choose one, and then you just tell them what your book title is, and your author name, okay? And those can range of from $45 to $70. And those can be quite an affordable option, because, They've got some really nice pre-made covers out there. Um, I can spend, actually, I can get quite distracted and spend hours uh, looking for perfect covers of books I haven't even written yet. But, yeah. Okay. The one, pro- well, the problem with this, or, or the shortcoming of this, is that if you are writing a book um, about people who are not white, um, or your, your character is a plus-size, luscious person, um, it's a lot harder to find pre-made covers that are going to fit. All right, so for me, that didn't work because I couldn't find ones that fit Samoa or the Pacific. Um, the next sort of kind is to do a custom-made cover where you purchase the stock image. And then, of course, you can purchase the option where that image is yours. Um, and that's more expensive. And then using that image, you give that image to your designer, and that person can then... Make it be what you want it to be. Okay. And so I've just listed a couple smash words, has a whole list of designers that you can find um, who, who can do that kind of work for you. Um, I don't have a list like that for New Zealand. Yeah. But there, there's a, a lot online. So that can range from you know hundred to five hundred US, just depending on your designer and and what image you like and how much it costs to buy. And a good way to, to get that vibe is to say, for example, if you're writing, you know, mystery or suspense, go to the bestseller listings, uh, either on Amazon or New York Times or whatever, and go through and have a look and see um, what those covers look like, what, what feel they all seem to have. Um, so that you can get an idea of, okay, you know, the kind of cover that your, your, your book should be, especially because you want to see it. Up to New York Times yesterday. Goodreads is another place to go and have a look at a whole bunch of really awesome covers. The other thing to remember, which I think is really cool, is that when you're the self published, when you are the publisher, you can change your cover every other week if you (laughs) want (laughs) to. You can. And I have had six different covers for my first Telesar book. In fact, when we did the print run, I had them print 2,000 with one cover and 2,000 with another. So one cover had the half-naked guy, uh, the rugby player with the tattoo and the rippling muscles, and the other cover was more conservative. It was you know the girl and the flower and everything. Well, guess which cover sold out first. <laughs> um, so, but you know I mean, and I think that's the thing—the cool thing about self-publishing. I have. I've had six different covers, and that's a great way too to reboot reboot a book. Oh, new cover. Uh, make a big fuss about it on social media, new cover, da 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 da, and it's a way to give it a kick. And it's, I mean, this is a journey that we're on, isn't it? You know what I mean? We work with how much we can afford at this part of the journey, and as we go, we can put more back into the business and into the product. Um, the third kind of cover is to do an original cover the deluxe way. And that's where you hire the photographer, you get a model, you get some equipment, uh, you have a concept. And then you have a designer to make the cover from the photos. Okay, Now, this can be super expensive or not. So what we did is, um, yeah, in a garage, hired the equipment that cost $250. Um, the photographer, she was just starting out. She was a friend. So she just took the pictures because she was really excited. The model was, was also a friend. She's five months pregnant, but you can't tell on this picture. Um, and so then the... Took a whole bunch of pictures. The cool thing about when you do it this way is you end up with lots and lots of images, okay? And then you can use them in all different kinds of promotional stuff and on social media as well. And you can write some cool blogs about, oh, you know, today we did this and this is my model. and Yeah, so i just put that as an example. Picture um, and then the designer um, who's the sister of the photographer and works here in New Zealand as a graphics artist person she then turned that into an image, okay? And we were able, from that one shoot, we were able to get a whole series of covers done for the whole series, okay? And those are the covers that we've got now. So, I mean, you know, there's different ways that you can get a cover, but once again, when you have a cover, you don't have to be stuck with it forever, okay? Change it up. All right, front matter, okay? This is about making sure that your product Uh, looks like those books that are at the bookshop, okay? And so in the front of the book, I'm talking about things, and the best way to do it is get a book from your genre, open it, and see what's in the front and what order they've got it in. Now, there's no hard and fast rules about what order it must be in. Uh, So, for example, they have here uh, that you should put an acknowledgements page in the front of your book. I don't do that. I put it in the back okay I mean it's it's up to you obviously your table of contents needs to be in the front you wouldn't put that in the back um but yeah these are things that real books okay have in in front of them that's what we talk about front matter and um when i published telesar i didn't know about that stuff so i didn't have those things in the front and when we had our big launch in apia I had a very nice librarian come and say to me, just letting you know that, you know, the library, we don't we, we need all those things in the front so that we can enter it into our system. And I was like, oh, <laughs> thanks. But yeah, so, you know, you, you, you can make mistakes and then the next print run, you, you fix it. But yes, so those are the things that go in the front. So, for example, I have a disclaimer in mine that, and I think it's quite usual in a lot of books where it says, any resemblance to, you know, any person, blah, blah, blah. I think that basically just, just keeps us covered for all your, like, cousins and friends who say, I think that you talked about me. Uh, i like, no, I did not. See? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's, that's, I think, the most important disclaimer. Smashwords, when you publish a smashwords, they give you um, an ISBN number, okay? But what I didn't realize is that you can only use that uh, with the ebook on on Smashwords, mm-hmm. I just took the ISBN I was like using it everywhere. Um, I mean, I didn't get in trouble, but you know, I mean, it, it, it's wrong. Um, so an ISBN is a unique digital identifier, thirteen-digit number. Um, helps supply chains communicate info about your book. Ebook must be different from print. Well, that's that's what I was told. So if you know something different, let me know. Um, an ISBN is required for distribution to Apple, Kobo, and these other places. So how do, oh, what it is not, don't get freaked out about ISBNs. It does not, it's not a common discovery method. Very few people say, oh, I'm looking for this book that's three, six, two, five, blah, blah. I mean, no. <laughs> no, people. It's, it's not a thing that people use to find books. Mm. Um, and it doesn't connote ownership or copyright, OK? And that's important to understand, because where do we get ISBNs? All right. You can go to Boca.com, and you can buy blocks of 10 for 295 and then you are listed as the publisher. Now, obviously, if you're going to be publishing lots of books, then that makes sense. But if you just are doing this one book right now, and you don't have lots of money, um, you can go to, there's many of them, online ISBN services. Uh, I just found some on Google. Yes. You need to know that they're free. Okay, that's even better. Okay, and that you can get them for e-books and print. Okay. Yep. And audio books and everything. All right. So just national library. Thank you. There we go. And then um, there was a slight panic when I realized, you know, you need to have that little um, thing on the outside. Barcode. Yes. And so I had to quickly go and find out how do I get that and online. Google is your friend. Um, and then it gives you the barcode, and you can stick it on your book. When you publish with Amazon, it's automatically put on your book, so you don't have to worry. Okay, back matter. The stuff that goes at the end of the book. And once again, this is not set in stone. It's completely up to you. Um, acknowledgements, you know, you know it's your book. You have dedicated how many years of your life? You write as much as you like in your acknowledgements. Okay, thank everybody. Then, um, usually there's about the author, a short bio. Um, this is a great place to put all the other books that you've ever written. Uh, if an ebook, you're going to do hyperlinks so that because right away when you finish a great book, when it's finished, what do you want to do right away? I want to read every other book written by this person. Okay. So while that flame is still hot, when she gets to the end of the book and say, like, "Oh, it's finished," no, and right away there's a hyperlink boom, she clicks on that, it takes her to where she can buy the next one. Um, So you hook her immediately. All right, so there's three different ways to self-publish, okay? Uh, The first of these is print on demand. And so with this, basically, you upload your book file, Um, it gets listed for sale as an amazing print book, but then they don't print any until Sally comes along, clicks buy, so then that company prints one book, and mails it to Sally, okay, and then they keep most of, lots of the money, <laughs> um, and you get your commission or your your royalty. All right, um, the good thing is you decide for yourself how much profit you want to add. So when you upload your file, it'll tell you, okay, to make this book it'll cost you know five dollars, and then you decide. Right, well I'm going to sell it for ten dollars or fifteen or whatever. And so then you decide how much is going to be profit, all right? Um, The cool thing about this is that all of the orders are handled by the printer. So Sally buys a book. You don't have to worry about mailing it to Sally or anything like that. And um, it's scalable, all right? So you can technically have your book available for sale in print, but not have to pay for 1,000 copies to get printed, and it's fast. I can upload the file today, and that print book is available tonight. Okay. Things to keep in mind is that um, postage outside the USA has to be considered in your cost. This works, I'll say what I mean. When I do a book event, I usually arrange to purchase some books because you can buy them for the cost price. Okay, so if my book costs $5 to make, then I can buy them for $5 and they will mail them to wherever I want them to go. So say I'm going to do a book signing in San Francisco. I will order, I don't know, 50 books, 100 books, whatever, and make sure they are sent ahead of me to San Francisco. And it's the cheapest, good, nice way to have books ready and waiting for me. It becomes a bit different when you want them mailed to Australia, New Zealand, uh, Tonga. Uh, it took three months for an order to get to Tonga. Um, so yeah, those are things to take into consideration. The postage is, is a factor. And then you got to wait. Yeah. All right, so there's different POD services. Um, I've only used CreateSpace, which is part of Amazon. Um, but there's another one called Blurb, and that one's especially recommended for, for photo books and magazines. They, they're really good with images and, and pictures. The other way is prepay print, okay. and this is where you, if this option is most like the regular publisher, you hire a printing company, you get a quote uh, to bulk print your book, you pay up front, and then you have to store all those books and distribute the finished product. Okay. Uh, with this, the more books you order, obviously, the cheaper they are. Uh, back in 2011, when I last did it, uh, 1,000 copies, they worked out to $9 each. Uh, I got 2,000 copies, and it fell down to $6.59. $6. Then I sell it for $20. So that's my profit markup. Okay. Um, you carry the load, though, to sell them and deliver them to the customer. Um, storage, 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 storage is the problem, okay? Because you could end up with boxes, uh, getting wet or moldy and mildewy inside your garage. And so this is where pre-orders, if you can get pre-orders from customers and retailers, that's recommended. Um, I learned a bit more. So by the time, um, I did book two, what I did was is that I put up a pre-order, um, option for people on my website and so people were able to buy the book and then when we got the shipment from the printer, I used a New Zealand printer in Taranga, they brought them to my house and then I sat there and signed all these books, put them in the envelopes and my kids took them to the postcards. Okay. okay. Um, so that was helpful because I was able to pre-sell, but this is where I'm really bad. Good record keeping is essential if you're going to do this, all right? Because bookshops and booksellers, they don't pay up front. You supply the book and then they, you invoice them and, and they'll give you the money later. And if you're not good at keeping records, like I am, there are people that like owe me money and I don't know who they are because I can't remember. Um, you have to be able to track. So then there's eBooks. Our favorites. Okay? With electronic books, you upload the file. And um, as you know, they're available for purchase and instant download anywhere in the world. Um, For the reader's perspective, it makes for a more flexible reading experience. All right? Because, you know, you can customize things, uh, whatever you need. And then the hyperlinks. I really like the hyperlinks. Um, From an author's perspective, which is all of you, they are an eternal product. And that's what I love has no shelf life, never expires. And you know, once you load that product in the sh- in the store, you don't even really have to think about it again, really. Okay, I mean, you know, if you are busy, you don't have to think about that product anymore. You don't have to worry about somebody stealing it or it getting moldy or whatever. It's still there, um, hopefully, just selling little bits as it goes. The royalties are higher. So, for example, when Amazon sells a print book for $15, I get $285. But when they sell an ebook for $4.99, I get $3.49. Okay, so that's something to think about. Um, easier to distribute. Um, you can test the market. I mean, I did an ebook first, and then sometimes you know that helps to hype everything up, and then you know how many print books you need before you go somewhere. And a lot of times, people, if they really, really like your book, they'll get the ebook. But they will come to your book signing, because and get a print book as well. Okay, and that's that's some great hardcore dedication. Yeah. Okay, I mean for me, print is always scary because uh, you know it's permanent. You know I've got some mistakes in there that they annoy the heck out of me. Yes. Um, I fixed them in the ebook, but they're still there in that first print run. But see, once you load your print file. If you find mistakes, you can go fix them and upload a new print file. Um, formatting, before you can publish your book, it needs to be put into a layout uh, for print and for ebook. And I want to emphasize here that anybody can learn how to do it. Because I didn't even know what an ebook was. Um, and then, you know, I went and I watched YouTube's and read lots of things and I was able to format my books myself. So it's it's like if I can do it, dude, anybody can do it. Um, having said that, you can also get people to format for you, and it's not that expensive, okay. um, And that's what I do now because it's, it can be time-consuming, especially when, you know, you're formatting for print. Um, so there's many format services available. Um, so with the formatting for print, um, with, like with CreateSpace, you can get a template, and then you copy and paste and insert all of your Word document into the template. And then go through and um, make it look nice, and that's just a very simple way of saying uh, <laughs> spend a few hours uh, making that thing look like it should. So yeah, and I think you know when we use the word formatting, it's like oh, but it's it's not that scary or big of a deal. Um, it's just about making uh, the book look like it should fit the page, margins, that sort of stuff. Formatting for an ebook, um, as we know, with ebooks. Don't to worry about page numbers, margins, um, footers or headers. Uh, it's helpful to remember when we're doing an ebook that um, it, don't stick color and text boxes and things like that in there because it won't always um, show up. Ebooks are great for all those links linking back to your website, to review sites, and places to purchase your other books. <laughs> I would advise you to just go to any number of the sites online. To find the actual specifics, there isn't time to go. But like I said, it it's not hard to learn. Um, but you can also get uh, it's working with your word document to just take out all of page numbers and and um, take out space bars and things like that and tabs. All right, where to publish your ebook? Obviously, there's Amazon, where you can go exclusive, which they want. But um, and they try to lure you with all sorts of things to be exclusive to them. Um, I'm not exclusive, but that's a decision you know you can make. With them, it is uploading a, a Mobi file or a word document, and then they have a preview tool that you can use to check to see what it's going to look like. So it's it's step by step, and it's quite helpful. So you can actually see um, everything as it's uh, before you press publish. Uh, Smashwords, the positive thing about them is when you upload to them, they can then distribute your book to lots of different places um, and list it for sale there. But, I mean, that's good because then you only have to create one uh, account and, up and upload it once, and Smashwords sends it to iBooks and everywhere else. Um, or number three, you can decide, no, I want to do that individually with all the different distributors. So you make it, you know... Do it with Barnes and Noble, Kobo, and all those other people. Uh, the decision about being exclusive—that's something that you know you'll have to decide. And once you make the decision, you can change your mind later, because when you sign up exclusively for Amazon, it's not forever; it's um, for a certain period. Yeah. Okay. So you might want to try it. If you don't like it, then put it somewhere else. Okay. I always think it's better to have it in as many shops as possible, but that's just me. Okay. The decision of what to price your ebook. I think it, it depends on what is your objective. Okay. Um, is this one of many books? Is it going to be like often the first book in a series, you will list it for free. Um, and that's strategic because you want to draw in people. And then it, hopefully they're going to love it. And then they'll buy all the other books. Um, there's disadvantages to having a book for free. Anybody know what that is? You get no money. <laughs> you get no money. OK, and also. There are gazillions of free books, yeah. um, so it's really hard to be noticed. Um, Smashwords does regular surveys every year, so the sweet spots for fiction are the ninety-nine, two ninety-nine, 399, dollars price points, um, and then nonfiction. The sweet spot is it's usually priced a bit higher. Okay, uh, but one thing uh, when I helped Albert went to um, put his very earliest works. And convert them and, and publish them as eBooks. I pointed out to him that his publisher at the time, his more recent books um, that were eBooks, they were being sold like fourteen ninety nine, you know, for one. And I pointed out to him that look, Harry Potter is like seven ninety nine. Okay, like nobody should be more expensive than Harry Potter. Okay, um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, the whole point is so that it can be cheaper, um, and therefore people will buy it. And so, yeah, I see now that some of the traditional publishers, I think, especially Pacific Literature, they were—I felt—they were really overpriced. And now I see that they've come down, which is good because it's just ridiculous. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, they should be cheaper than a, a print book. That's one of the whole points of getting the ebook. Okay. I just want to say that with the whole thing about this whole self-publishing is you're your own gatekeeper. So the quality of your book depends on you. And really going back to the idea of you are creating a product okay, and refining it. But please keep in mind, it is can constantly evolve and be refined as you go. okay. Um, Alright, getting paid. Okay. If you reside outside the US, they have a 30% tax withholding law, but New Zealand has a tax treaty, so taxed 5%, which is very nice, much nicer, okay? It used to be really hard to file and complete a W-8, whatever, and it was like, ooh, but it's a lot easier now. So not difficult at all. And Smashwords can tell you how to do it. Lots of things online that can tell you how to do it. It's really simple. Smashwords pays monthly through PayPal, so you'll have to make yourself a PayPal account. Uh, Amazon transfers to your New Zealand bank account. They used to send checks. Um, which was kind of a nuisance, but, yes, so, get, that's getting paid. And like I said, it's monthly, uh, unless you don't meet the um, threshold, yeah, like, they won't send you a check for $5, okay? All right, the big question people always ask me is self-publishing, how much does it cost? And it can cost as low, as least, or as most as you want it to, okay? Or as you can afford. And once you've published a book, it doesn't mean you can still continue to republish and improve it later on when you get some more money. So my very first version of Tosa, the ebook, was fifty dollars to my friend for some editing. I got this book cover done, I think I found her on Fiverr, um, and then it and worked up Ended up being $45 because I was like, I don't like that one, okay, back and forth. So it was $45. And I ebook formatted it myself. So that's the first one there, um, that one. And then we did a new cover. And for that one, we had, um, I hired a photographer in Samoa, he cost 250 tala. There was a rugby player at the time who um, friends had messaged me and said, oh my gosh, it would be perfect to be Daniel Tahi. And I saw he was on Twitter, so I tweeted him. And I was like, hey, would you like to be my color model? And he was like, sure, why not? So I was like, oh, wow, OK. Um, so he did a photo shoot in Samoa. I wasn't there at the time. I was living here. So I just told my friends, oh, I want pictures, you know, at the rugby field, in the water, by the pool, water, half naked, all of that. And then they sent me these files, 300 and something pictures. They obviously had a really good time taking photos of this poor guy. Um, but yes, so that's the second cover, which, as pe- my family pointed out to me, your book is about Telesar women. Why do you have a dude on your cover? Uh-huh. But it proved to be rather popular with <laughs> the female audience. Um, then with Telesar book three, um, editing for that one was 300 I, I'm using a formatter now just because of time. That's time I could be spending on writing. And this cover cost, worked out to be about 300 because that was the photo shoot we did. And we got lots of photos. And we could use them for many different covers. Okay, So it can cost little, more, more, more. It's up to you. And you can change it as you go. People always say, OK, marketing, and there's Millions of things. And people say, well, which one works? Which one should I do? Um, and there's lots of things you can do. Okay. Some of them are free. Some of them, <laughs> pray. <laughs> Some of them are free. Some of them cost money. Okay. And what I would say, I want to say is that marketing and sales are two different things. Too often people get the two mixed up. Okay, marketing is a series of steps required to bring a product to the market while creating an environment in which sales can occur. It is ongoing, persistent and consistent. So it doesn't really matter what you do as long as you keep doing it, okay. So by this I mean, for example, I have a friend who pays some money to do a blog tour, okay, where you go on different blogs. And talk about your book or different parts, aspects of writing. And you pay some money and someone organizes it for you. Well, when it was done, she was like, oh my gosh, I didn't sell a single book from that. Okay? Well, that is because she wanted marketing to result in a sale. But sales and marketing are two different things. Okay? So you cannot evaluate the success of your marketing on sales. All right? So, for example, when I had... The cover model, the, the very nice, generous, kind rugby player, um, say, "Oh yeah, sure," you know, and, and he does all these things, and we did all this promotion about him, and I've got pictures of him with quotes blasted them everywhere. There's no way I can measure how many books I sold because of him, okay, and and his half nakedness, all right. <laughs> but you know, it all adds up. And what it does is when sales are immediate, now sales are going to happen when that buyer is ready to buy, not one second before, okay? Nobody says, I want to buy a car. I'll go to Facebook and have a look, okay? Nobody does that, all right? When people want to buy a car, then they're like, right, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go here or there or look over here. Same thing with a book, okay? Now, we have authors who are our auto buys. What does that mean? Buy anything there. I will buy anything that author writes. I don't care what genre it is. Okay, so I have a few who are like, like Ilona Andrews. I will buy everything that that couple writes. Okay, and each of us perhaps has has authors who inspire that in us. Now, those we don't have to market to them, okay, because they're already in our court or whatever. Okay, but what we're trying to do is. Is with our marketing is to keep ourselves uh, in people's minds. How do we do that? People can say, oh my gosh, there's just so much, what do I do? Okay, I can't do everything. And that's right, you can't. So the best thing to do is to choose maybe two or three things and then stick to them and do them consistently. Now, I definitely think and advise what you must do is you must have your own website or blog, okay? It is free to start one. The reason for this is because Facebook, for example, you do not own that platform, okay? And so now, as we know, Facebook wants you to buy a Facebook ad. So with your page, you may have 10,000 likes or followers, but a lot of times, Facebook isn't gonna show them what you're posting, unless you pay to boost for an ad. But the space you do control is your website or your blog. Now, it doesn't need to be super fancy, okay? There's lots of hosts. You can just get a simple, basic template. But what matters is that you write consistently on your blog. And at at all times, you want your readers and your audience to come to your space. So you have your blog. What do you blog about? Any ideas? Are you gonna tell us every day, today I wrote 200 words? (laughs) Probably not, I wouldn't read it. Okay, what are some things we can write on our blogs or on our websites? We can write, we can do entries about where we get our ideas from, okay? Anything else? Cats? Cats. Yes. Cats, baking, okay. Funny stories about, you know, our day, our kids, our family. If your strength is humor, use it, okay? If you're um, a person who is into poetry, share some of those. I mean, there's lots of different things. And the goal is to make people come to you and get to know you and your brand. What do I mean by your brand? Your brand is... (laughs) Who you have decided to construct yourself to be so it may not necessarily be the real you okay but it is what you want people to associate you with right? so for example when I think about Elona Andrews the husband and wife writing team I think of I've met them in person I have listened to them speak I read all their books I think of Um, Funny, witty dialogue, I think of fantasy, I think of romance, I think of some feminism, I think a really cool, hip couple. And they'll talk about their family and their kids as well. And so those are the things I associate with them and their brand. So you need to think about what do I want people to associate when they think about me? Whether you've got one book out, no book out yet, or books coming out soon. What do you want to be known as? All right? So definitely have your own website. Keeping in mind, uh, just like a newspaper, it should inform people where they can buy your books, where they can find you. It should do a bit of entertaining, a little bit of educating. Okay? If you like to write about his- historical something, you would put some really cool information there about neat things about your research. And I would know that that's where I go to read about that stuff. And some inspiring always helps, all right? Please, try to keep it upbeat, Okay, Um, It is fine to share our struggles and challenges, but like, I have a particular author friend, lovely person, but oh my goodness, every day on her social media, she is talking about, you know, I didn't even sell a book today, and and I did all this, and then I did that. And it's just like, oh my goodness, just save that for your private chats, you know? So, yeah, try to keep it upbeat. The thing, too, about your brand is actually, you don't actually decide it. We can say, okay, I want to be known as the, you know, feminist, whatever, who likes baking. But that's what I want it to be. But when I'm out in public and, you know, people see that, like, oh my gosh, she's so horrible to her kids. Did you see that? (laughs) You know? Or, like, if I'm mean and rude to people. They're gonna be like, well, you know that author, you know she writes like this, but really she's like this. So the brand, we build it by every single interaction that we have with people, and that was fine maybe when it was just in person. You know, if you have a bad day, maybe only like five people see it. But be- thanks to the internet, if you have a bad day and you be horrible to people online, oh, you're in trouble. Okay, it's hard to, to pull back from that. Okay, so thank you very much. Keeping in mind, then, consistency is the key. And I wanted to finish with this quote. Any author who can put food on the table with their writing is a success. Whether it's steak and lobster, or in my case, rice and a can of tuna. Okay? And self-publishing is a way that you can get money and put food on the table. So, another option. Thank you, everyone. Sorry for fun.
0: New Zealand Society of Authors, Te Pune Kaituhi o Aotearoa, Pen NZ Incorporated, is the principal organisation representing writers in New Zealand. We want to continue to provide opportunities for you to grow in your professional development. That's why we've started NZSA Web Workshops. Visit our website authors.org.nz to find out about these opportunities. Experienced writers and teachers will lead them. We hope that they help you to grow as a writer and face whatever tomorrow brings. Our website again is authors.org.nz.